Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Breaking news, WABC. And tonight here on Cats and Cosby, just coming in that a jury is saying that former President Trump must pay $83.3 million in damages to E. Jean Carroll. This is the woman who says that the, she was sexually assaulted in a Bergdorf Goodman years ago in a dressing room. How many years ago? 30 years ago? Uh, yeah, it was many years ago. Many and, she, years ago. and it was during like public work hours. And this is not, John, for even the sexual assault allegations. This is that he made comments after the first trial. $83 million, John. Uh, we've got Ed Cox with us in the studio, Judge Richard Weinberg, obviously. And Governor and Patterson. And Governor Patterson. Boom, 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 boom. That great singer. Uh, but Ed Cox. great singer who regrets he wasn't counsel to Eugene Carroll. Yes. Oh, my God. Your reaction, Ed Cox. This is an amazing uh, this is amount. It should be overturned on appeal, and that's what happens to these outrageous damages given by New York City jurors. But... The way the courts have been uh, have been corrupted from the top on down, I'm not sure. If it's Trump, I'm not sure that that appeals court is going to change it. Judge Weinberg, it is stunning. This is I, it's a, so I mean, excessive. It's so outrageous. It's ridiculous. And as uh, Greg Jarrett was talking about last night on this show, if the man goes out and he says, "I didn't do it," and reiterates what he said that he denies his his liability, are you going to sue him again for that? Yeah, and then he starts to talk in court yesterday, and the judge interrupts him. And everybody, as a woman, I just want to say, you know, listen, things happen in different circumstances. I don't want to ever disparage someone. My belief, it's hard to believe that something like that would happen in a crowded dressing room area at a busy store like Bergdorf Goodman. And she didn't scream. Nobody saw anything. Uh, there's still a lot of questions. That's just my opinion. And then, and then, on top of that, we had the Donald Trump thing. Andrew Cuomo, I understand the Department of Justice has settled or had a consent decree with the state of New York. Yes. Uh, with the uh, state of New York. State of New York. Will you talk about it, uh, Judge Weinberg? So, so, Andrew Cuomo is not a party to this. The state of New York, represented by the Attorney General Tish James, who did the investigation of the former governor, enters into a consent decree with the Department of Justice. And Cuomo is not part of, of this. At so all. what does that mean? It means they're, they're saying that they found him uh, liable for uh, sexually abusing 13 or harassing 13 different women. He, again, has issued a statement denying he did any of any of that. He was not heard on this issue. And it's just a deal between Tish James's office and the Department of Justice. Governor Patterson? Well, the only problem, I mean, in addition to that, is I think where his office got in trouble, whoever did it was issuing the statements and the uh, work records of employees of the office to the press. Now, they can't deny that because it was printed, and when asked, the media sources cited where it came from. So I think that's the bigger issue than, um, you know, the the atmosphere in the workplace and the charges against The biggest issue, though, here was not the sexual harassment. It was the fact that he condemned thousands and thousands of older people to death by saying the nursing homes had to take in COVID infected people. But that has that nothing was to do Okay, but respectfully, gentlemen, it has nothing to do what does it have with to this do consent with the, decree. Uh, consent decree. <laughs> has nothing, John, absolutely right. When it has he got nothing to do with the consent decree. The whole decree. process, this was an underlying big issue. By the way, uh, before uh, we move on, but, but we the have, issue we have, of, um, wait, 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 the Rishi issue of the retaliation is in the consent decree. It's in there. We're not talking about. Retaliation, and we're not talking about the nursing homes. We're saying that this finding in his consent decree is that he sexually abused or harassed 13 different women. That's the key to this. In, in layman's terms, what the judge is saying is that the new news today is focused just on that issue. That's your point. Um, before there are we a lot make, of other I'm not an attorney, but I got that impeached. one. Right? <laughs> almost impeached. I'm becoming one with you guys. Before we move on, uh, I want to bring up UNRWA. This is unbelievable. This is a U.N. organization that now has fired 12 staffers who allegedly took part 
uh, in the October 7th Hamas attacks. Uh, uh, this is stunning. Uh, Judge took, took part physically or mentally? or how? Well, well, they're looking into a whole bunch of information. Said, all kinds of information, how they supported them. And the, the dirty little secret about this UNRWA organization is that they knew there were tunnels under hospitals, under mosques, under schools, under homes, and the funding kept going there. And the school books were anti-Israeli and anti And how much funding is gone there? I mean, this is a U.N. organization? That, so, that the U.S. also gives money to that ultimately ends up there, John. And Trump, so by the way, cut it off. to the U.N., and the U.N. took the money and gave it to Hamas? Yeah, yeah, yes, and and also, John, not only did they have details, Judge Weinberg, about some of the tunnels, they also may have said specifics about the hostages taken and played a role. That These are really damning allegations. These, these are people, not minor these players. Pe- people are co-conspirators to that awful attack against innocent Israeli citizens on October 7th. Hold on, I understand uh, Mark Green is calling us. Yep, understand, exactly. He is the chairman, of course, of the Homeland Security Committee. With us today is uh, Chairman uh, Mark Green uh, of the Homeland Security Committee in Congress and uh, uh, a good guy from Tennessee, a West Pointer, and he reminds me, he still believes in the West Point creed, duty, honor, country. Um, Chairman Green, how are you to say? I am great, John. Thanks for having me on your show. Uh, there's so many problems around the world. Where do we start? The border and Chairman Mallorca's. I mean, how can he, him as Chairman of the Homeland, as Secretary of Homeland Security, he's got to protect yeah. What's going on in Texas? What's going on in New Mexico? Tell us well, what's going on. Yeah, sure. So uh, Secretary Mayorkas has essentially uh, tried to force his uh, idea of immigration onto the country, contrary to the laws written on the book on how it's all to be done. And he's basically abused his position in order to do that. Uh, for example, the law very clearly states, it was written by Congress decades ago, that he is to detain everyone. You shall detain everyone who comes in. And, of course, they've turned that upside down, giving immediate parole into the country. People called home and said, uh, hey, they're just letting us loose, and so millions have come. Uh, and he's continued to build policies and procedures and processes that just street people into the country, so more are going to come. The, the drug cartels saw this and saw a financial opportunity. So they started charging everybody who comes through their areas to get into the United States to the tune of fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars. If you're from China, fifty thousand dollars. So they're making billions of dollars human trafficking those individuals to our border. They also tactically seize control of the crossing sites by putting mass waves of people at a crossing point so the border patrol has to get concentrated and then they just bring the drugs and the nefarious people around that open border. And so this is what's happened. The, it's devastating to the country. But we have hundreds of terrorists, known watch list folks being apprehended. That means there's more getting through. We have 1.8 million people. They don't even know who they are. I mean, it, it is devastating. And and like I, I've said to, we had uh, the CEO of Goya Foods, uh, Robert Gnanaway, yeah, and 85,000 kids are missing. That's right. Uh, New York Times, not known to be a conservative uh, news organization, actually reported on this and found that some of them were being used as slave labor. Some of these kids, 30, 40 kids to a home. I'm going to tell you something else that's scary. Some of them are used for body parts. Oh, my. Uh, President Biden, why such favoritism to Iran and to China? Uh, Last week uh, it was disclosed in in the papers that... that, uh, Somebody in either the White House, the Pentagon, the Department of Defense gave a heads up uh, to uh, Iran that they were going to be attacked by a, a terrorist group that's probably funded, uh, ISIS, that's probably funded by Saudi Arabia. Uh, and, and and then also last week, uh, there was a bipartisan thing on batteries uh, for electric vehicles. And President Biden uh, vetoed it, bipartisan, vetoed it. Why such favoritism to China and to Iran? It's a, it's a great question. I think conceptually, 
the the leadership of the party right now, the Democrat Party and the president, uh, they don't know a good guy from a bad guy. You know, they want to street violent criminals here in the U.S., but uh, defund the police. They want to uh, abandon Britain. I mean, England asked, Boris Johnson asked our president, please don't withdraw from Afghanistan. At least give us five more days. And our president slapped our best ally in the face in order to make his withdrawal. It's like they don't, and, and this whole notion of partnering with Iran to get another JCPOA agreement on nuclear uh, weapons it is absurd. And so they, they take the Houthis and they, they basically pull them off the terrorist list. They trade $6 billion to get five hostages back from Iran. Uh, look at what's happening in Hamas. Mr. Chairman, $6 billion is Trump change. Let me understand that. They were under President Trump, they were pumping 400,000 barrels a day at $50 exactly a barrel, right. which is, they, they can't feed their people on that. Right. $25 billion they're making now on oil. Much more than that. Uh, they, uh, President Biden has allowed them to go to 4 million barrels a day. Yeah, it's insane. And that money funds what I call the Iranian Foreign Legion, the Houthis, the Hamases, the Hezbollah. Hezbollah. That's right. That's what our our money that's making the American people poorer, the middle class poorer and the the poor people even poorer because of the price of gasoline is going to fund these people. No, I, I agree with that observation. And the same is true in Venezuela. I mean, we're buying oil from Venezuela and shutting down our own oil and gas production. Uh, and just- yesterday, they shut down the LNG, what is it, liquefied natural gas uh, program? Is that to make the Iranians happy so they can sell more oil? Yeah, it's it's insanity. I mean, you just can't, uh, it, you couldn't make it up uh, if you wanted to uh, because it's just, it's crazy what they're doing. Um, as far as the EV battery thing, look, it again, it is, where are most of those things made? I mean, the, the, the cobalt and all the things that is needed for the battery is controlled by China. The batteries are made in China. Um, we have some battery plants that are popping up in the U.S., but the vast majority are made in China. Uh, if you're pushing that agenda, you got to wonder who you're trying to benefit. Chairman Mark Green, Chairman of Homeland Security, uh, West Pointer, your duty, duty, honor country, please help save America. I am doing everything I can, sir. God bless you, and thank, thank you. you for being at WABC today. Thanks for having me, John. Thank you so much, Chairman Green. Uh, very powerful, and he's going to be, John, very powerful. at the helm uh, of all uh, the votes next I'm week. An honest guy, a straight arrow. Straight West arrow. Pointer cares about this country. Well, uh, joining us now to talk about what's going on, first of all, in the border and also this big breaking news that a New York jury is now saying that President Trump must pay $83 million in damages to E. Jean Carroll. This is the second defamation trial again, a New York City jury. Uh, joining us now is Andrew McCarthy. He is the former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. Um, Andy, your reaction to this big news that this is, as you know, this is not even the allegations of the assault. This is the defamation, the comments that she says Trump made after the first trial. Uh, your reaction, $83 million in damages? Yeah, and Rita, just to put this in context, in the first trial, as you just pointed out, one of the claims that the jury had to find or make a, re- a verdict on was sexual assault in addition to defamation. So they found he committed sexual assault. They found uh, the former president committed defamation, but they only awarded five million dollars with those, you know, serious allegations. Here, there was no sexual assault in the case. This is just two defamation uh, allegations, claims, and they didn't have to make a finding that he was actually guilty or liable for defaming her because the judge found that those issues had already been resolved in the first trial. So you don't even have things that are as serious that were as were in the first trial. And the second jury awards 16 times more than the first jury did. And it just seems to me like as an old trial lawyer, 
you know, it's really hard to find somebody guilty or in the civil context to find somebody liable. I think when a jury does that, it's got kind of like a cathartic effect that they feel like they've struck a blow. And that has a depressing effect on, you know, sentencing and, and the finding of damages because you've already, you already feel like you found the guy guilty, right? Um, here, they didn't have an opportunity to find them guilty because the only thing on the table was how much she was going to run up the score financially. And I think if a jury decides that they're going to strike a blow, the only way they can do it in a case like that is on the money side. And they really socked it to them. Yeah, but isn't that outrageous, Andy? You just brought up 16 times more. I mean, and and obviously the first one was uh, with the sexual assault allegations. And this is just def- defaming. Doesn't this send a message? People look there and they shake their heads and say, where's the justice? Yeah, well, I mean, to me, a, a message could have been sent loud and clear with a lot less than $83 million. It's hard for me to believe, you know, it's, it's hard in, in, um, it's hard to talk about this, especially as an old guy, when we're talking about a woman who, um, you know, may have been through an awful experience, which I obviously can't assimilate. But, you know, if you're just going to talk about this in, in like cold, hard financial terms, in the world that she lives in, among the you know the people that she cares about she hasn't really been damaged at all she's like a star she's much more um famous and in demand than she ever was before and the thought that you know trump has done terrible damage to her in terms of defamation by saying that uh you know he denies that he did it um and of course saying it in his um inimitable way as it were i mean it's hard for me to believe that she's been profoundly damaged, which is why I think the jury, even the first jury, even in finding that she was sexually assault, kept the damages to something that was seemingly reasonable at five million dollars. But here she was she started out this case asking for 10 million and she's one eighty three point three. It's just it's remarkable. It is. Uh, Governor Patterson, you got a question for Andy McCarthy. Andy, what I think is really interesting about this particular situation is both of the parties involved will be stars in their community tonight because uh, anybody who uh, is a big supporter of uh, President Trump has got to feel like he's been uh, really wronged by this process. Even I, as a Democrat, sort of feel that way. In fact, I'm going to set up a GoFundMe page for the president. <laughs> oh, oh, you just oh, heard it here on nice. Cats and Cosby. Governor Thank Patterson, you. wow. Governor, Governor, I was going to say, uh, if they're both famous in their community, I, I'd rather be at her party tonight. <laughs> Andrew, uh, Biden versus Governor Abbott. Tell us about it. Yeah, this is this really goes to one of the most significant issues in our constitutional system, which is what authority does a state, which is in our system, a sovereign state, have to defend itself under circumstances where the federal government is derelict in doing its job? Um, So what the Biden administration is essentially telling Texas is, we're not in our discretion. We're not going to fully enforce the federal immigration laws. And because we're the federal government, and you're just the state government. You can't either. And I think, you know, Justice Scalia wrote a famous opinion uh, in a case called Arizona against the United States in 2012, mm-hmm. where he he pointed out in great detail that the states in the system are sovereign. And if you don't have the ability to defend yourself. That is like a basic component of sovereignty, that in our federal system, Congress cannot take, the federal government cannot take away from the states. So we have a situation where, you know, the feds are not doing their job and they're telling the states, we're not going to let you do it either. And in an election year, we have a president who is going to court uh, on behalf of hordes of illegal aliens against the people of Texas who are under an incredible strain because of, uh, you know, they get a lion's share of the six million people. It's, it's, it's an unbelievable number of people. It's more it's like one and a half times the population of Los Angeles, more people than 33 states. 
And Texas is bearing the brunt of it. And Biden administration is trying to tell them they can't defend them. And that's what the election is all about. November 4th. That's what I'm trying to tell everybody. That's, you know, November 4th, 170 million people will call them grand jurors or whatever. Vote. You want you vote for Biden if you want open borders. Vote for Trump if you want closed borders. It's pretty simple. I, I, I agree, John. I think it's pretty clear because this president hasn't done anything to reverse it. He could change it by executive order. And the same thing not out, doing in, out in the, the Santo seat out in uh, Nassau County. Uh, I, I think that Swazi uh, uh, goes along with everything with Pelosi and with uh, Hakeem Jeffries. So you want open borders? Vote for uh, Swazi. You want closed borders? Vote for Mozzie. Most importantly, keep us safe. That is priority, John. And we're seeing it, by the way, in Iowa. We saw it in New Hampshire. It is the number one issue. Uh, Andy McCarthy, thank you very, very much. It's really great to have you here with your perspective. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Thank Thank you you. very much. And coming up, John and everybody here on Cats and Cosby, Larry Kudlow has the latest on the economy and so much more. That after the break. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we're back here on Cats and Cosby. And John, you know it's Friday. And that means that it's pizza day. And we always get the best pizzas, the best pizzas here at WABC from the iconic Grimaldi's Pizza at the old Limelight Church in New York City. It is the official pizza of 77 WABC, and you can never have enough good pizza. What? I love that pizza. It is great. It is really great. Anthony! Anthony! We love you, Anthony. Well, with us today is our our country's leading economist, and uh, we have Larry Kudlow with us on number one show on Saturday morning between 10 and 1 on WABC. Uh, Larry Kudlow, uh, what's going on? Where's it? Where's my pizza Saturday morning? Well, we'll be sending it. Yeah, they could maybe be the Saturday morning sponsor, right? How's that? <laughs> you know, there's my pizza. I believe we, uh, Kevin and I have uh, Dunkin' Donuts, but I don't get any pizza. So you're missing yeah, out. Right. It's good pizza, Larry. <laughs> we, need a, we need a new contract. So anyway, we got a couple things cooking. One of them's going to bring joy to John's heart. The uh, Biden administration has decided. Uh, no more new facilities for liquid natural gas, LNG, which has less carbon, 40% less carbon than coal and 30% less carbon than coal. And after talking to some 25-year-old kid who's a TikTok influencer, the Bidens decided no more permits for LNG. Not hey, please, uh, Larry, we have a very s- simple audience sometimes. Explain to our audience what does that mean? Well, look, liquid natural gas, uh, so you bring it out of the ground, and then you freeze it up, and then you put it in a ship, cargo, and you send it to Europe, for example. It could be sent anywhere, but Europe has the greatest need because of the Russian problem. And then they take it, and they unfreeze it, and then they pipe it to wherever it's supposed to go. Why did President Biden do that? Who does it help? It helps no one. It helps far left climate crazies. That's who it helps. And in all honesty, the way this story was written, and it was I'm quoting the New York Times here of all places. They they talked to some kid, twenty five year old kid, who's some kind of TikTok influencer, TikTok, which is the China Communist Party backed uh, uh, website, uh, uh, internet site, and then they come out with a ban. They're going to put all the permits to build new facilities, you know, to pipe it in and freeze it up, as I said. They're going to ban it. 
And this is one of America's greatest exports, okay? And by the way, we make money on these exports. When I worked in the Trump administration, along with Rick Perry and Dan Briette and others, we were huge salesmen to LNG uh, in Europe. And by the way, uh, Rick Perry always says, if we piped LNG into China, that would do a lot more uh, for reducing carbon because, as I say, it's 40 percent uh, carbon less than coal. And they want this document. This uh, this is an election year uh, play to please the far left wing base of the Democratic Party. But he can, he can only do it till November 4th. Well, that is true. Yes. Let us hope. <laughs> I like that. Let us hope that that is true. But. This is just one of these insane things uh, that the, the, that they do, and it is to the detriment of the entire country. It hurts us at home, and it hurts us uh, abroad. It's a national security leverage to stop Russia, for example, if you're worried about the Russian-Ukraine war. Um, it's just it's crazy. There's no way uh, around that. So, Larry Ed Cox here. Uh, speaking of uh, talking about uh, markets, the equity markets, has irrational, uh, irrational exuberance reared its head again or not? Well, I don't know. I mean, it, the answer is probably yes, but markets are markets. Um, the economy, look, the, the, here's another point I want to make. The, the economic report this week on the economy, GDP, was good. Okay, it was over 3%. So it was good, I'll give, you know, and the Bidens are dancing on tables. And if I were he with a 30 percent economic approval rating and I got a 3 percent GDP report, I'd be dancing on tables, too. I get that. But 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 so much of this came from government spending and borrowing and debt. OK, the biggest category was holiday consumer spending. OK, the next biggest category was government. And in fact, over the past year and a half, actually, government spending has outstripped consumer spending. I'll read you something from Zero Hedge, a great website. Uh, it takes a dollar fifty-five in budget deficit to generate one dollar of GDP. Or another way to look at it is, it takes two dollars and fifty cents in new federal debt to generate a dollar of GDP. So this government spending is in the long run going to prove to be inflationary. Now, inflation has come down, and the uh, you got a report today on inflation and consumer spending. Um, 2.6% for the PCE deflator last 12 months. The core was 2.9, and then core services, X housing, 3.3. So inflation is still above the Fed's 2% target. There's no reason, in my judgment, for the Fed to cut interest rates anytime soon. And, of course, the big problem is uh, consumer prices are still about 20 percent higher than they were uh, when Joe Biden took office. So for ordinary consumers and middle class working folks and lower income folks, they're still having an affordability problem. Uh, Larry, last question. Uh, Tesla and Boeing. My God, they had a bad week. Yeah, they did. They did. They had a, you know, John, you, you're a pilot. You were a pilot. Um, this Boeing story, there's too many ex- examples of airplane failures from Boeing. I mean, it makes you a little edgy, it seems to me, a little hinky now flying. I mean, there's a lot of Boeing accidents out there. Too many. And that, and that troubles me. You know a lot more to, about it than I do. The Tesla story is problem is people don't want uh, electric vehicles. They just don't want them. On Boeing, Larry, what I've said uh, publicly, when uh, Boeing built the 707, the 727, the 747, the, the one of the best jets ever built, that's when the engineers at Boeing were building the airplanes and running the company. Who's running the company now? The accountants that want earnings, earnings, earnings every quarter and every uh, year. And uh, safety has taken a second position to earnings. Well, that's a very bad story. I'm sure you're right. It's a very, very, very bad story. These 
uh, accidents are very troublesome. Look, other one, the other one, Tesla, Elon Musk is a brilliant guy. I'm all for him. But the trouble is people don't want EVs. They just don't want them. And there's no way around that. Uh, I don't know what his strategy is going to be. He's a smart guy. He's probably going to pull in his horns quite a bit, would be my guess. But um, is, 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 is Elon Musk uh, going to be like, uh, what was the guy in the 1970s uh, that, uh, that used to work for Chrysler that created that beautiful car? Iacocca? Iacocca? No. no. Lauren. Who? DeLorean. 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 Yeah. yeah. Ooh, is that Elon was great... Musk going to be DeLorean? Well, no, I don't think so. I think he's a lot because, smarter. Yeah, that's right. And these, these cars are well engineered, okay? Uh, it's just that they cost too much money, and we don't have the infrastructure with the charging stations. I mean, this is something that's going to take 20 or 30 years. Yes. So he's going to have to go. I'm not against EVs, by the way. I mean, I'm, I'm against. Give the people a choice. I, I agree with you. But you got to give people a choice, and you got to stop catering to China. We got to make them here, including the batteries, uh, including the commodities that go into the batteries. But yeah, I'm sure that it'll be around for a long time. The DeLoreans were not well engineered, but you know. Folks want a choice. It's too darn expensive right now. Yes. It's too hard to drive a decent uh, trip, and um, and the stock price is going down. Larry, I've been listening to you between 10 o'clock and 1 o'clock on Saturday morning, our number one show on Saturday, and you'll be listened to in 173 countries and 50 states. I look forward to listening, and uh, thank you for everything you do. Thank you, John. My great pleasure. Bye, kids. God bless. Bye. We'll get pizza and, to you. Romaldi's <laughs> pizza coming. Exactly. And uh, Rita, you have some hot news. It's the top news of the day, sponsored by Goya. Here's Rita Cosby. Well, as you heard at the top of the show right here on Cats and Cosby, Texas and the White House are heading for a standoff over razor wire used along the nation's southern border, the Texas National Guard is adding more razor wire at a section of the Rio Grande along the U.S.-Mexico border. The Biden administration wants Texas to take the barrier down, but Governor Abbott says he won't do that as Texas needs to protect his state and America. The International Court of Justice stopped short of calling for an immediate ceasefire in Israel's war with Hamas and Gaza. But the court did demand that Israel do all it can and continue to do all it can to prevent deaths of civilians. The action by this court came after South Africa accused Israel of genocide. And also, New York's American Museum of Natural History is closing two major halls. Get this, the halls that feature Native American cultural items are going to close, while other displays will be covered in response to updated policies from the Biden administration. The new Biden rules require museums to get consent from tribes before displaying any artifacts. That is an interesting one. And everybody, those are your Goya hot, 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 I hot love, stories. I <laughs> love those Goya beans. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we got a two-minute tidbit from a, uh, from a Sunday uh, uh, show on with Admiral Stavridis and what's going on in the Middle East. Let's take that break first. You're commuting home. Cats and Cosby. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we're back here on Cats and Cosby. Well, John, on the Cats Roundtable, you have an amazing interview uh, with Admiral Stavridis. Of course, he was the former NATO commander. Uh, this guy knows his stuff. And you Supreme asked Allied Com- Supreme Allied Commander of NATO. Yep, yep. And uh, he, he was in charge of the whole world and... I asked him a few questions. I think one of them was today. One of them's a big bombshell. Listen to this. Iran. Why are there such sensitivities in Washington from the current administration on Iran? Uh, there was a uh, Wall Street Journal uh, carried an article that we gave them intelligence that uh, Saudi Arabia's ISIS was going to attack. They didn't believe it, but we gave them the intelligence, according to the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, that is surprising to me. I, for one, um, 
don't understand why we would want to provide intelligence about a terrorist attack to an Iranian government that is uh, attacking us um, through proxies, uh, through the Houthi rebels in the Red Sea, their proxies in Iraq and Syria are attacking our troops. So I am perplexed as to why we would uh, provide them intelligence um, because we're in a near state of war with Iran right now. Uh, Having said that, we then saw the callous behavior of the Iranians. I suppose they didn't believe us, but um, almost 100 of their people were killed at that uh, ceremony where we warned them uh, there would be a terrorist attack. I think the, the key to understand here is that Iran, through its proxies, the Houthis in the Red Sea, Hamas in Gaza and Hezbollah, north of Israel, occupying the state of Lebanon. In all three of those places, they are attacking us. They're attacking Israel. They would seek to do damage to the Gulf Arab states, Saudi Arabia and UAE, who are our partners and allies and friends. Um, Iran is no friend to the United States. And I think we need to increase the military pressure on Iran. Well, Rita... I was on with the uh, chairman of Homeland Security, uh, the Congress this morning, Mark Green, and uh, I told him he should open up an investigation. Who is turning over intelligence to Iran? Yeah, that that is stunning. That I is mean, breaking there are news. Adver- Nobody there are else knows that. That's a big I was deal. With him. I was with Mark Green himself. And, Good. Uh, he better look. Bravo to you, John, because he's got to look into that. That is a really, really big deal. And, John, I understand uh, we have calling in now uh, Senator Dan Sullivan. He's calling the, in. Yes. Uh, Rita, go ahead. And joining us now here on Cats and Cosby is Senator Dan Sullivan, Republican from the great state of Alaska. He's also a member of the Senate Armed Services Committee and also a colonel in the U.S. Marine Corps Reserve. Uh, Senator Sullivan, so much going on, especially now the Biden administration is trying to take on LNG. Explain how dangerous that is. Hey, Rita, John, great to be back on the show, as always. But look, once again, they are letting the far left and John Kerry can't wait till he leaves the White House, by the way, um, drive policies that make no sense in this one actually makes no sense on in any way, shape, or form. What am I talking about? They just announced they're banning the approval of, of any American LNG projects going forward. So what, what happens there? You guys all know it's shutting down American energy, hurting our workers. By the way, hurting the environment because when you ship clean, burning American natural gas to Asia or Europe, you actually lower emissions. And of course... From a national security perspective, American LNG helps our allies get off Russian oil and gas. And so what are they doing? They're essentially saying, keep buying Russian gas, keep funding the Putin war machine, because the far left radicals in America are telling Joe Biden what to do. And he listens to them. It's crazy. Yeah, this is also for security, too. Well, security, but. But why is President Biden doing that? I mean, maybe he doesn't want to hurt Iran sales. I mean, I don't understand why other than that. I mean, Iran was uh, pumping 400,000 barrels a day under President Trump. And now it's pumping 4 million barrels a day and making a zillion dollars. Well, John, look, on the Iran thing, just just to finish up on the LNG issue, um, the decision today, all that's going to do is empower Putin. I mean, I thought we were fighting Putin. And so now you're going to say no LNG for our Asian allies, our European allies from America. And some of them are still getting Russian gas, by the way. And now they are forced to go back to the dictatorship in, in Moscow. So that makes no sense. But, John, your point on the difference between the Trump administration's policy against Iran and the Biden appeasement policy is one of the most stark, dramatic differences that's undermining American interests. As you said, the Trump administration, with the strong support of Republican senators like me, had a full sanctions package against the Iranian oil and gas sector. By the end of the Trump administration, 
Iran had about $4 billion in foreign reserves. That's actually not a lot. Biden comes in and he lifts those sanctions, day one almost, and guess what? Right now, Iran has $70 billion in foreign reserves from their massive oil sales that you just mentioned. What are they doing with that? They're funding the Houthis. They're funding Hamas. They're funding Hezbollah. And so this policy of appeasement has only brought literally war to the Middle East. The other thing the Trump administration did, which was great, is they reestablished deterrence by killing the terrorist Soleimani, the head of the Quds Force. And they launched a peace initiative, the Abraham Accord. So the Trump administration's policies uh, with regard to Iran were working. Biden comes in, reverses them all through appeasement, and what do we have? We have war. Literally, war, and our most important ally, Israel, is under attack. It is really bizarre what the heck is going on. Uh, what else keeps you up at night? How is the uh, production of oil up in Alaska? Well, you know, we did have this one, I wouldn't call it a win, but the Biden administration, and I, I think I've shown the chart uh, uh, on, on, the, on the show before when I've been in studio, they've issued 56 executive orders and executive actions singularly focused on shutting down the Alaska economy. 56, John and Rita. I literally handed the president of the United States, President Biden, a list and a map of where these 56 executive orders and executive actions were harming my great state. And I said to the president in a meeting in the Oval Office, you know, with all due respect, Mr. President, if a Republican administration came in and put 56 executive orders against little Delaware, You'd be on the Senate floor raising hell every day if you're still a senator. That's what I'm doing, fighting this. So it has been a disaster. The one area where we got kind of miraculous relief, and it was actually in this Oval Office meeting about a year ago, and John, you and I have talked a lot about it, the Trump administration approved this very big project in Alaska called the Willow Project. It's about up to 200,000 barrels a day, 2,500 jobs is a ConocoPhillips project. The Biden administration was looking like they're going to reverse that one, too. And we got them to reapprove it. They trimmed it down. But from that perspective and another project called Pitka, the North Slope is probably one of the hottest oil plays in the world right now. As you know, that's all conventional oil we got plenty of room on our Trans-Alaska pipeline. So believe it or not, despite the battles we have over ANWR and what's called the National Petroleum Reserve of Alaska, where the Biden administration is working daily to shut us down in Alaska, uh, things are starting to look good, particularly with Willow. And by the way, this matters not just to Alaskans, but it matters to Americans. It matters to people in New York, right? I mean, America yes, needs to be an down energy to, superpower. To and oil from Alaska helps the whole country. Uh, we got a minute left, Senator. What else is on your mind that you want to tell the American people? Well, look, one, one of the things that I've also been focused on as it relates to the Middle East policy is getting this administration to wake up to the fact that their policies have failed, that the Afghanistan withdrawal sent a message around the world to dictators and aggressors that it was free reign. America lost its credibility after that botched withdrawal. So you saw the invasion of um, Ukraine by Russia. You saw the invasion of Israel by Hamas, which is backed by Iran. You're seeing the very aggressive actions by China against Taiwan. And John, this is all connected. You know, I read the intel. I'm on the Armed Services Committee. These dictators in North Korea, in Iran, in China, in Moscow, they are all working together. And we need a broad-based strategic response that's serious, not the Biden response, because this is a dangerous time. And, you know, we have great strategic advantages as a powerful country if we're wise enough to use them. Yep. Energy, natural resources, our lethal, strong military but the Biden administration keeps undermining them, and that's making the world more dangerous. 
Yeah, that is really scary stuff. Well, Senator Dan Sullivan, thank you so much for being here. Very well said and so important. And let's catch up again real soon. Yes, sir. John, Rita, thanks. Always great to be on the show. All right. Wow, that was great. Take a quick break. And John Sullivan has some big scoops on the threats to the homeland. Breaking news. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. Breaking news, WABC. And joining us now is the founder of Just the News, the great investigative journalist, John Solomon. Uh, John, you have a big scoop about our open borders and some intel officials, some very senior ones. Well, that's right. If you've been watching what's playing out in Texas, if you listen to the governor, uh, Greg Abbott, he says there's an invasion going on. If you listen to Joe Biden, he says the border's secure. Well, 10 former senior FBI executives, people who ran the counterintelligence, the intelligence, the counterterrorism, and the criminal divisions of the FBI under four different FBI directors, seven presidents. They say there is an invasion going on. There's no doubt about it that the people coming across right now over the last six months, young military-age men from hostile countries appear to be entering the country for some form of operation, perhaps an infrastructure attack in the future. They want Congress to take this as seriously as possible. They wrote in their letter, to the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, the Senate Majority Leader, um, Chuck Schumer, that uh, this is the most serious security threat they have seen in their lifetime, that there is an invasion ongoing at the border. There is a grave concern about the type of people coming. They're coming from China. They're coming from Iran. They're coming from Russia. Military age men, without family, without children, a very different profile of um, uh, illegal immigrant than we've traditionally seen with uh, families and things like that and unaccompanied minors. And they're very clear about this. They want Congress to take substantial action. That's why they wrote this letter. They say it's not about politics. It's about protecting the future of our country. What is the big threat? Is there like an area of threat that they're worried about? Are they worried about sleeper cells? Is there any sort of thought of where the big red alarm bells are going off or what kind of attack or what preparations they may be making? So I've interviewed several of them, um, uh, of the signatories. And they have multiple concerns, right? They have fear that some of these people are coming from Middle East countries or countries with terrorist cells, Iran, Pakistan, uh, the Middle East, other Middle Eastern countries. They're concerned about Russia and China. And one of them noted to me yesterday that China doesn't allow its citizens to just leave and go to the United States without a reason. And to see so many young uh, Chinese men now suddenly moving across the country, across the border, I think 20,000 in the last year, There is grave concern that they may be here to wait for some sort of order of an infrastructure attack or something else. There's a third type. They believe there's a third uh, group of young men who are either working with the cartels or our enemies to bring in that poison that is fentanyl and to bring it in in such numbers that it becomes a national hazard. It isn't just killing people who buy the pills, but it starts seeping into the water system, the septic system, pills on the ground. And so they have those sort of big picture, deep concerns about um, what these young men from different places are. And it's very interesting. Up in Maine, all the way across the country from the southern border, there are all of a sudden these large number of Chinese-operated marijuana labs that are just popping up. I think more than 150, according to a Homeland Security bulletin I was able to get a hold of from a source. That's the sort of operation they're seeing. They're seeing these young Chinese men come in. They're setting up some sort of drug factories far from the border. And it just gives them a very bad feel that this is more organized. It's not organic. Multiple bad actors may be taking advantage of this border and putting their people into position to harm us in some way. John Solomon, I agree 100%. When the FBI director, uh, Christopher Wray, gets in front of Congress and says, I have a lot of red lights on my screen, and uh, I think uh, there's, hey, there might be 10,000, 20,000 bad guys uh, and guns are easily accessible, acceptable, uh, accessible. Uh, they can go into a small city and wipe it out. I mean, who's yeah. uh, who's going to protect a small city? And right. uh, but, but yep. they'll go in there with machine guns and pom 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 pom, wipe out a whole city. You just saw that with Hamas, yeah, in Israel, it can be done. Yes, it could be done. And I think if we don't wake up, uh, what the President Biden is doing, I am concerned that he's making. Very bad decisions. Well, polling shows that Americans agree, too, John. Uh, for the first time in a very long time, immigration has jumped over the economy 
as the number one issue in national polls, but also in Iowa and New Hampshire, where the first two primaries were held. Voters are very far from the southern border in those two states. They put immigration up by 10 points over the economy. Uh, You could see that the country, the common sense Americans in the country are seeing the exact same problem. The question is, will our leaders in Washington do something to fix it? Agreed. Rita? Yeah. You know, real quick, John, um, is there any end in sight? And what do you think is going to happen, by the way, with all these bills and everything else? Do you think that President Biden, are you hearing anything? He's going to do something just to try to save his, you know, election polls. You can see (laughs) it's hitting him. I mean, he sees it. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, his polling has to show it. Listen, I talked to Mike Johnson. He gave me a statement uh, with this FBI letter because he received the letter. Deeply moved him. He said, uh, this gives me all another reason why I want my House Republicans to hold out, not allow a partial solution. Don't allow 5,000 a day to still illegal aliens to keep coming in the country. That's still enough to cause enormous sound. We need to hold out for a transformational border deal that closes the border. I think the House Republicans are going to put the pressure on the Senate and the president to do something big. Uh, and they may be willing to shut down the government for a short period of time because they believe the American people now have had enough of this fentanyl poisoning and these uh, murders and these uh, house invasions that are occurring in Chicago with gangs that came across the border. I think Americans are screaming enough, and uh, that may give House Republicans leverage to do something bigger. I hope there's common sense. I've had a a couple of arguments uh, uh, with uh, in our own company with Anthony Weiner and saying that uh, uh, these people are not trustworthy that are coming through the borders. And yeah. you can't allow a settlement where you're still going to have 5,000 people coming through the borders uh, every day. I mean, that's a million and a half people a, a, a week, uh, a year. Yeah. I mean, that's, that yeah. is invasion. Yeah. Thank you so well, much, I think uh, many John. many Americans are nodding their head when they hear you say that, John. I think yeah. John Solomon, thank you. <laughs> thank you, John thank you Solomon, and we'll catch up with you soon. Wow, that you. is Scary stuff. John, thank you very much. Uh, John, that is really frightening when you hear all the alarm bells going off. They can go into a small town, Hooterville, and take over the whole town. Yeah, that's what's so scary. And take the rest hostage. Yeah, really. See, that's why we have to secure our borders and protect our country. Well, what do we all stand for, guys? Truth, Truth, justice, justice, and the American way. way. God bless America.